and this is kind of <laughs> the beauty of preconception prep is, you know, we can put our best foot forward and like really try to um, sway things in the right direction. Um, and that's what I love about preconception preparation. But at the end of the day, pregnancy is a really primal process and to try to control something so primal um, would be, <laughs> I guess, almost naive. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. How can we prepare for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby? Is there any way to positively improve our chances of health and mitigate risk? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 149 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and this week we're speaking with Lauren De La Cruz, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, root cause protocol consultant, and functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner that specializes in preconception nutrition. Her mission is to empower women with the tools and the knowledge they need to regulate their cycles, balance their hormones, heal their metabolism, optimize their fertility, and have a thriving pregnancy. And our discussion today is just packed full of information to help you, whether you're preparing for pregnancy, currently pregnant, or postpartum. She's got such an encouraging message, and I just love her. Before we get to this incredible interview, let's thank our reviewer of the week, T. Cartino, who wrote, My favorite birth podcast. I just adore this birth podcast. As a home birthing mama, this podcast makes it easy to find birth-specific shows that align with my birthing style. I love that God is not excluded from this podcast and birth. I am so excited to have found this corner of the internet as I prepare for another home birth. Thank you. And thank you, T. Cartino, if you would email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And if you're finding value from this podcast, would you take just a few minutes to head to Apple Podcasts and leave a quick review? It means so much to me, and it's the very best way to get this show in front of more mothers. Positive reviews increase the amount that Apple shares the podcast, so this truly is such a gift when you share your thoughts. And in keeping with our theme of this week's discussion, I wanted to bring some awareness to an amazing company, Perfect Supplements. If you're listening towards the beginning of this week, they are currently having a massive sale through November 10th, where all Perfect brand products are on sale for 33% off. I'd specifically like to draw attention to their desiccated liver capsules and their multi-organ blend. As we'll be discussing today, these superfoods are dense with necessary micronutrients that will help keep us healthy before, during, and after pregnancy. The code HOMEBIRTH will save you 10%. I'll link the website in the show notes. I can't wait to hear what you think. Okay, let's jump into the interview with Lauren. Please remember that the opinions of my guests may not necessarily reflect my own and vice versa. And this show is not meant to prescribe or treat. It's an educational tool. So continue to take empowered responsibility for your health and your family. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. I'm super excited to be here just as one of your podcast listeners. 
I'm so excited to have you here just as someone who has been listening to you on other podcasts. I feel so honored to have you on this one. Would you mind just starting uh, by taking a moment to introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure, of course. So my name is Lauren Dela Cruz. I'm a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, a root cause protocol consultant, and a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner. And I specialize in preconception nutrition. So really helping empower women with the tools and knowledge that they need to regulate their cycles, balance their hormones, heal their metabolism, optimize their fertility, and put their best foot forward to have a really thriving pregnancy. And that's really my mission and what I do. <laughs> that's amazing. And I'd, I'd love to know, how did you get to this point? What was it that made you decide that this is what you wanted to focus on? Yes, uh, that's a great question. So my, my journey with nutrition began actually after, com- uh, well, with my experience on the hormonal birth control pill. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> I was feeling really lost, confused at all these symptoms that I was experiencing. And in doing research, finding actually the work of Dr. Jolene Brighton um, really helped me feel validated and gave me new solutions to pursue. And after doing a little bit more research, I was able to heal myself from all the symptoms I was experiencing coming off the pill. Uh, And that led me to, (laughs) that pretty much lit a light bulb in my head because I was just like, wow, all the options that my doctors were giving me, um, and this is just personally speaking, perhaps it's the doctors that I had available to me, but the only options they gave me were additional medications. uh, And that was just not a go for me. So I took things into my own hands and did so much. I actually healed my lifelong asthma in the process. And I was like, (laughs) like, there's a much better way that I've totally been missing out. And I can't believe more people don't know about this. And I want to help people, you know, kind of figure things out. And um, if this is kind of the avenue that they want to pursue. And so I went to school and (laughs) got a bunch of, um, uh, went to a bunch of different nutrition schools, nutrition programs, and, and have just been so happy. And I've been helping women heal their metabolism, really feel better. Uh, But also, you know, things started to shift for me when I started on my own preconception journey. And I realized how pivotal and how much of a huge opportunity the preconception time period was to impact not only women's health during pregnancy, postpartum, their baby's health, but also future generations. Mm -hmm. So after that, I was just like, okay, this needs more attention because there really aren't that many resources for preconception out there. And um, I really wanted to dig in and help women do this. No, you're so right. I do feel like it's kind of like how we talk about, you know, there's a lot of times there's a lot of preparation for like the crib and the nursery and all these things, but not preparation for the birth in the same way. There's a lot of times like a lot of preparation for the like the baby and not for preparing for the baby, like that preconception journey. So gosh, it makes so much sense. And And the fact that, yes, our body is going to dictate so much in relation to, you know, what gene expression and things like that for our children, Um, how, how critical and how cool that you are able to give mothers information to help really improve that process. 
Thank you so much. It's been a really amazing journey and just having witnessed so many pregnancies and births, it's just been the, the, the rewards are really fruitful and uh, it's just such an amazing sort of position to be in to help sort of plant the seed and then watch the flower grow and it's just beautiful. Well, so one of my questions would be when it comes to preconception, what are some of the major points that mothers need to be focusing on and kind of making sure that things are ready, ready to go, if you will? Well, that's, that's an excellent question. And I do want to preface before I dive in that, you know, I'm very much aware that preconception uh, preparation is a luxury. Uh, not all women have the opportunity or chance to. Some things are surprised. So, you know, there's that aspect of it. But for those women that do have the time and do have the energy to put forth uh, some preparation into preconception, it can make a huge difference. And so there's definitely a couple things that I would consider. Uh, you know, of course, everyone is different. So it's really difficult for me to say that this would apply to everyone. Um, I like to say that nobody's lived your life in your body. Mm-hmm. So everyone's body's different. Everyone's life has been different. So everything leading up until the point of conception is going to be different. And so we'll all need different things to think about. But um, there are a couple of things. Of course, diet is a huge uh, factor that I like to at least, you know, have some consideration around uh, the nutrient density, the mineral density, the fat soluble vitamin density of the diet is going to be super important, not only for the health and development of baby, but also reducing pregnancy risk complications, reducing pregnant, uh, complications and risk during pregnancy, excuse me, and um, healing postpartum is going to be huge as well. Um, another aspect of it, you know, specifically about the diet is, and, and, you know, there's, of course, (laughs) definitely different schools of thought around it, but um, I very much am in line with the sort of Weston A. Price thinking of, you know, we we really need to have a diet rich in fat-soluble vitamins and bioavailable proteins. Protein needs in pregnancy are huge. Mm -hmm. They are extremely large and um, it's just very difficult to get all the nutrients that you need from a more plant-based diet. Um, There's just a little more opportunity to uh, create or have experienced deficiencies in certain nutrients. So that said, I'm not saying it can't be done, but you know, it is a consideration because most people don't know that uh, women in their reproductive years are nutrient deficient. Most most women in their reproductive years are nutrient deficient. So we're already, most of us are already nutrient deficient. And then if we add these, you know, additional opportunities for nutrient deficiency on top of it, um, it can set us up for not, you know, uh, more risk, more um, issues down the line uh, with ourselves, but also our babies. Uh, so there's that aspect. And, you know, the standard American diet as well is also a consideration too. So, um, you know, junk food, lots of fast food, that kind of thing. I think every country has their own version of standard American diet. It's the right. standard, American diet, standard Australian diet. Um, so there's that too. And these, these are uh, a void in a lot of key nutrients, even though they're 
pretty um, dense in calories. So uh, we really need these micronutrients. It's not just about macronutrients when going into pregnancy, and it's not just about macronutrients when optimizing our fertility either. A lot of micronutrients make huge differences in our egg quality, in our ability to make progesterone, in our ability to um, maintain pregnancy, um, reduce uh, pregnancy complications, uh, create breast milk. So, so, so many things. <laughs> and um, diet is a huge part of that. So, uh, you know, question number one is what is your diet? How long have you been eating this diet? And then work backwards from there because there may be some opportunities to replenish in certain areas. Um, there's also lifestyle. So, you know, there, there are a lot of, we, we live in a, <laughs> it's, it's really unavoidable. And um, I don't say this to put more stress on anyone, uh, but we live in a pretty toxic world uh, mm -hmm. and it's, it's unavoidable. And so that said, I, I, when it comes to this aspect of our life, I really like to focus on the things that we can control. So I don't like to stress about anything that I can't control <laughs> because it just is not helpful. So when thinking about that, I really like to focus on the things that I can control and the things that my clients and students can control. And these are things that we put in our skin. So, you know, what are we sort of putting on our bodies every single day? Is there a less um, sort of hormonally disruptive version? So there are these things called xenoestrogens that can potentially accumulate and cause uh, hormonal imbalance, which can also not only impact our fertility, but also the sort of imprinting that happens on our children. Uh, so thinking about that aspect of things, how can I clean up sort of my environment to the best possible extent that I can? Of course, you know, budget plays a huge role too. So, um, but swapping things out here and there when we can, can be a really big game changer too, and to minimize the exposure, not only uh, for ourselves to these toxins, but also a lot of these things cross the uh, placenta mm -hmm. and make their way to the baby. So uh, it's really important to start cleaning up things now um, to sort of minimize the exposure that you know we could potentially have on baby. Um, so those are two things. Of course, there's other aspects like medications. So what medications are we on? Uh, a lot of women are on the hormonal birth control pill or other hormonal contraceptives. And this is an important consideration because a lot of doctors will say, okay, you want to get pregnant, just get off the pill and you can get, just go for it, try right away. Um, some may say, give yourself three months, uh, but I will um, explain further why that might not even be enough. Uh, so, you know, medications in general are nutrient depleting because they need to be detoxified by the liver. Um, they can also have different effects on our hormonal balance um, and different effects on uh, our nutrient balance as well. So, of course, talk to your doctor. Not all medications need to be stopped. And what I'm more referring to in this side of things is the hormonal birth control pill or the hormonal contraceptives. Um, but these deplete so many nutrients that we need for fertility, but also a healthy baby. And so these are nutrients like vitamin A, which is really important for egg health and uh, differentiation and baby. So when the baby's um, growing, 
there's a lot of cell duplication um, and growth. Uh, vitamin A is really a huge driver of that. And it's also known as the holy grail of symmetry. So it's really important for preventing birth defects. Um, so the birth control pill depletes that. Uh, vitamin E, which is also called fertility factor X. So that's really important because the researchers that discovered it uh, discovered that um, any animal that was deficient in vitamin E, they could induce infertility in the animal. Same thing actually with vitamin A, but it's just not called that. So there are really important fat soluble vitamins. These two vitamins are fat soluble vitamins um, that are super important. Um, the pill also depletes vitamin C, uh, folate, which is super important for preventing neural tube defects, B12, which is also super important for preventing neural tube defects, uh, zinc, selenium, those two are also important for preventing neural tube defects and um, also super important for just sperm health and fertility in general. Um, so that's a, a sort of tip there for your uh, partners. Um, mm -hmm. CoQ10, uh, magnesium, which is a really important mineral and deficiency in pregnancy has been associated with so many complications. Uh, and uh, ceruloplasmin, which is a copper protein. And so um, that's really important for uh, sustaining pregnancy as well. Uh, so we have all these, I'm probably forgetting a couple of them, but um, we have, we, and also tying it back to what I was just talking about, a lot of women in the reproductive years are already nutrient deficient. We right. add this nutrient depleting hormonal contraceptive on top of it. And likely we're not really you know, nutritionally ready for conception, or at least optimally nutritionally ready. A lot of us also, you know, I've taken the hormonal contraceptive, and I definitely didn't know what nutrients were being depleted. And I definitely didn't make an effort to try and <laughs> get those in my body um, to at least maintain some kind of balance. So uh, we might be coming off the hormonal contraceptive um, in a depleted state already. Um, the aspect of the three month timeline is because of folliculogenesis, which is a process of egg maturation. And so it takes about a hundred days, a little over three months for an egg to mature. And so that's usually why uh, doctors say, okay, start taking your prenatal vitamin and uh, three months in advance because you have the three months leading up to conception are sort of you know the most impactful uh, because they can really impact the egg health that will potentially become the embryo. Uh, so there's that aspect. And another aspect of that too is that we really need to make sure the egg follicle, the, the egg sac is really healthy as well because uh, it's what produces progesterone and helps us not only get pregnant, sustain the pregnancy, but also it's producing, it's what's releasing progesterone in the first trimester while our placenta is being um, built by our body. Our body makes a completely new organ in the first trimester. Right. <laughs> so, um, eventually the placenta takes over that progesterone production, but this is also one of the aspects that have potentially been implicated in morning sickness. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, it all really all connects. Uh, so that said, uh, of course, hormonal contraceptives, it's everyone's right to, you know, do what's right for them, um, especially in an informed way. But I would just keep those things in mind because uh, I know that for, for a fact that my doctor never informed me about those mineral deficiencies and nutrient deficiencies. And it's also important to understand too that women that 
have been on the hormonal birth control pill for over two years are likely to experience a period of subfertility for one to one and a half years. Mm. So if we are sort of, if we've been on the birth control pill for a long period of time, for myself, I took it for eight years. Granted, I've been off it for a long time now, but I, I wish I had known this information because it leads to a lot of disappointment um, and stress and feelings of anxiety and guilt. And at least for me, this is all, this is, these are all the emotions I was experiencing, some confusion um, as to why I was experiencing all these symptoms, as to why my body was almost betraying me after. Um, and uh, I, I see a lot of women now that have been on the birth control pill for 10, 15 years coming off hormonal contraceptives um, and uh, being really confused as to why their period's not coming back and getting really disappointed with that, you know, by the year mark that their period hasn't re-regulated. And then they, try, you know, kind of turn to uh, fertility treatments like IUI or IVF and um, uh, which may not always necessarily be ready. Of course, there's, you know, you have the right to pursue whatever fertility treatment you want to, but just knowing that the body might need just a little bit more time um, can save us a lot of heartache, a lot of money too. Mm. <laughs> so uh, there's that aspect. So medications, going back to your question, medications um, are a good idea to kind of really get an understanding of how they're affecting the body. Um, what nutrients they might be depleting. There's always usually at least one nutrient that a medication is depleting. Um, and um, I guess and my last point would be uh, chronic illnesses. So, you know, if you're experiencing a chronic illness, that's not to say that you can't get pregnant or you shouldn't at all. That's, this is not what it's about by any means. Um, but given the uh, implications of fetal programming, which is essentially the concept that we imprint our health on our children, whether it's nutritional health, hormonal health, traumatic health, like, you know, trauma, um, it's a good idea to try to get your management under control of this chronic illness um, prior to conception, not only because of this aspect of fetal programming, uh, so we can influence our baby's health and their future generations, but also it can help reduce the complications during pregnancy um, that might arise. You know, if we know how to manage our chronic illness, uh, and my, I myself have an autoimmune condition, it's in remission, but um, if, I, if it was flaring up, for example, um, and that's when I was trying to conceive. Not only might I have trouble conceiving, but it might increase my risk for complications during pregnancy because while pregnancy is happening, it's a beautiful process, but it's also a huge stress on the body. And um, kind of, you know, it's kind of a black box in a sense. Like, and this is kind of <laughs> the beauty of preconception prep is, you know, we can put our best foot forward and like really try to. Um, sway things in the right direction. Um, and that's what I love about preconception preparation. But at the end of the day, pregnancy is a really primal process. And to try to control something so primal um, would be, <laughs> I guess, almost naive. Um, but, you know, we can really do a lot to sway things in our favor. And uh, given the primalness, and I'm not even sure if that's a real word, um, of pregnancy, um, really trying to get our 
chronic illnesses under control so that you know we have less of a chance of a flare-up during pregnancy that you know might require um, medications or make us high risk or you know not allow us to have the birth experience that we want um, is generally a good idea. Um, so that's that's a kind of what I would consider uh, going into uh, pregnancy. Just a couple things. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. And I'm thinking about, you know, especially your discussion of, you know, obviously or pregnancy is so primal and to think that we can control it is naive and it's the same. It's the exact same with labor. This idea of control versus surrender, it it's exactly the same in pregnancy. So we can do all of these things to pre to prepare and to give ourselves the best chance. And that's on us. Like there, we have that if, if we, you know, if we have time, like for example, with my first baby, yeah, did, didn't have time, didn't know she was coming. <laughs> but when, when we do know that ability to like, to, like you said, sway things in the right direction, it's incredible. And then we hold the rest with an open hand and we know that, no, we cannot control the outcomes. We can do our best and, and that's that. Um, there's such beauty in that. Yes, I totally agree. And okay, so as we're talking about diet, lifestyle, medications, chronic illnesses, I feel like a lot of these things really do, uh, you know, kind of link back up together. Um, and when it comes to also before before I forget, just thinking about all of the depletion that you mentioned, just especially through hormonal contraceptives. But like you said, we're already kind of, we're not kind of, we're in a depleted state. You think about our soil quality, just that's the baseline already that's depleted. So we've got all of these other things depleting, depleting, depleting. And if we look back at like the Weston A. Price information that he learned through traveling the globe, they did take preconception very seriously and really, really pushed the idea of, you know, giving special foods to the couples who were going to be trying to conceive. So there's something to it. <laughs> like Clearly, they realize there's something important to this. And so I would love to hear a little bit about that. So we've talked about uh, our, our macronutrients, and you also mentioned how in pregnancy, the micronutrients are so important as well. So when we say that, what does that mean? Is that, are we talking about minerals? Yes, um, minerals have a lot to do with that. Of course, there are other fat soluble vitamins and water soluble vitamins, which vitamins in general. <laughs> right. Um, but yes, minerals are a huge part of that. And minerals are really, um, when people think minerals, people usually think electrolytes, but I like to think of them, and you probably heard this analogy as well, they're the spark plugs of the body. And that's because they run enzymes, which run hormones, which run all the metabolic processes. So they're really integral to how our overall body is functioning uh, every single day, every moment of the day. Um, so definitely we can dive into minerals uh, for sure. And um, that said, you know, all micronutrients are extremely important um, 
And I think one of the interesting aspects of micronutrients and minerals as well as vitamins, uh, all of them have other mineral and vitamin partners that allow them to function optimally or perform functions together. And this is a very important concept to understand when addressing mineral imbalances or you know, other nutrient imbalances or deficiencies, um, because uh, really a deficiency in one you know, X doesn't necessarily mean you need X. It could mean that you need a little more Y or a little less Z, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> And so um, I just wanted to make that um, clarification too upfront because I think it's important. Um, usually when uh, folks think about um, deficiencies, nutrient deficiencies, they're just like, oh, I, you know, an iron deficiency. Oh, I need more iron, obviously. Um, not necessarily. So <laughs> you might need some more of iron's partners uh, like copper and vitamin A. So uh, it can get a little, you know, definitely nerdy. Um, but it's just, it's a, it's a nod to how sophisticated and beautiful mother nature is, I think. Um, and to try to, again, try to oversimplify things as like a deficiency in X, definitely you need a, a little more X. Um, it, it just nods to how uh, beautifully um, complicated and uh, amazing mother nature is. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I definitely want to talk about that example specifically in a little bit because oh my gosh like it's so common you know we're obviously we're testing our hemoglobin during pregnancy we know there's going to be a dip um but that can be such a huge concern for mothers as well as midwives so that's something that i really would love for us to touch on um in a little bit and so okay so when we're talking about minerals and about vitamins what is it, which ones are we supposed to focus on? How do we know that we are focusing on the right thing? Great question. That's difficult mm -hmm. <laughs> to kind of figure out. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to vitamins and minerals, I think, again, it goes back to the relationships. So I don't necessarily, I think, you know, <laughs> Trying to figure out an imbalance or deficiency definitely can require some testing. Um, for minerals, there's something called a hair tissue mineral analysis. And this basically is a sample of your hair and um, you basically use it to get a three month average of your mineral uh, status. And it really focuses on all the first level minerals, which are like sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, but also the other like second level minerals, selenium, zinc, selenium, zinc, excuse me, I always pronounce that one wrong. Um, <laughs> and so uh, you can definitely get some testing done. Um, but really, when we, to really know if we're needing more of something, or deficient in something, is really through symptoms. Uh, and, you know, really because minerals play such an integral part of metabolic processes, they're like the underlying foundation of enzymatic reactions in the body. And then of hormonal enzymes, you know, are integral to hormonal function. And then that rolls up into overall metabolic function. Um, any kind of symptom, which is essentially showing some metabolic dysfunction um, can be, ha has minerals and or nutrients uh, underlying them that require them to run optimally. So 
you could really, any kind of symptom like anemia, for example, preeclampsia, for example, um, even just brittle hair, nails, uh, thyroid issues, PCOS, like they all definitely can be related to hormonal issues, but they're also very much mineral and nutrient. Other vitamins um, are involved in these uh, issues arising. So um, I can definitely relate a few uh, mm-hmm. symptoms that I've seen, diseases that I've seen in terms of minerals specifically. I love um, that. Sure. So <clears throat> a lot of what I've seen in my practice, but also through research and anecdotal evidence, um, it's really low energy, uh, unquenchable thirst, frequent urination. Um, histamine issues are a huge one insomnia, uh, constipation, indigestion, uh, heartburn or acid reflux, uh, cavities are huge, uh, muscle cramps, muscle spasms, um, brain fogginess, hot flashes, PMS, estrogen dominance, menopausal symptoms, uh, high blood pressure, uh, swelling or edema, detoxification issues, including things like sulfur sensitivities, uh, thyroid disease, PCOS. Um, I said that already though. (laughs) Uh, Post-birth control syndrome, uh, which I went through, uh, insulin resistance and diabetes, ADHD, anemia, osteopenia, osteoporosis, bone spurs, uh, in pregnancy, uh, preeclampsia, which we talked about, leg cramps, uh, gestational diabetes, morning sickness, parathyroid dysfunction, um, placental insufficiency, uh, low birth weight, miscarriage, um, and anemia as well. And there's probably so many other things that I'm <laughs> not including, but really the, uh, those, all of those have to do with mineral deficiency or imbalance specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, really any symptom um, could be, and of course it, that doesn't necessarily mean like, okay, <laughs> that's uh, getting more of this nutrient is the only answer or way to pursue the healing of this issue. Usually there's, you know, especially for the more complex issues, there's usually other components to properly target this issue. Um, but minerals and other nutrients can play a huge role in how we are able to uh, optimize these processes or, you know, reverse or address or manage these issues. One thing that I know that that moms are going to be wondering when it comes to not just minerals, but are the all of the micronutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, what is the best way for us to get them? Do we, if we're taking a prenatal vitamin, are we covered? Great question. So I think that there's definitely a misunderstanding around prenatals that they have all the nutrients that you need and, you know, (laughs) at the right levels and things like that. Um, The best way to get micronutrients and including minerals and vitamins are to really eat and drink uh, whole foods and liquids. Uh, A well-balanced whole food diet will provide you with tons of minerals and tons of vitamins and other micronutrients. Um, Animal foods in particular will be denser in these micronutrients as well. Uh, So, you know, it's basically sort of volume based. Um, Animal foods will also have uh, a lot of the nutrients that you cannot get from plant foods either, Mm. like choline and, oh, well, choline's not true. Um, (laughs) Like glycine, B12, uh, retinol, stuff like that. So, you know, 
I, I would consider um, it, it'll be a lot more work via plant foods, but um, right. you know, if you can incorporate high quality animal foods, they can be really healing in that regard and just like easier to uh, get these things from. Right. Um, these also contain fat soluble and water soluble vitamins that work as partners in conjunction with the minerals they provide. Uh, for example, a four ounce steak is not only a great source of bioavailable protein, but depending on how fatty it is, it can be a great source of selenium, zinc, iron, phosphorus, potassium, as well as vitamin E, vitamin A, vitamin K2, and tons of B vitamins. You're getting you know, such a nutrient dense um, punch from just a four ounce piece of steak. Um, I think that, uh, you know, making sure you're also not drinking hungry water, <laughs> kind of a huge miss, I think, um, you know, on a lot of parts. Uh, and of course this really, uh, it doesn't have to be super complicated and I'm not saying you also need to go buy a, a super expensive water system, uh, but just like adding a little bit of salt to your water here and there, or a little bit of salt to your juice, or even a splash of splash of juice to your water, um, or infusing your water with like herbs or uh, fruits. Um, teas are great for the most part. Um, the the non um, dehydrating ones uh, can be really rehydrating and you know minerals are what helps us stay hydrated so this is why I say don't drink hungry water is because um, they help us stay hydrated if we're drinking mineral hungry water so min uh, water without minerals or things to help us rehydrate we're actually usually depleting ourselves of more minerals uh, so it can be a really powerful thing to sort of shift the way we, that we hydrate um, to, to have more minerals. Uh, things like reverse osmosis and distilled water are very demineralizing to the water. They actually remove pretty much all the minerals. So if you're drinking this kind of water, make sure that you're re-mineralizing um, this water. Um, things like bone broths, juices, coconut water, aloe vera juice are all extremely mineral rich liquids that you can utilize to hydrate. And they're also really delicious. Um, so <laughs> there's that. Uh, but, you know, definitely a whole food diet, definitely, you know, water is super important. Um, in regards to supplements, so, you know, you asked about prenatal vitamins. Most prenatal vitamins actually don't contain a lot of minerals in them. Mm -hmm. uh, so relying on prenatal vitamins for mineral intake can be uh, problematic. Uh, usually they'll have calcium, but, um, and maybe some zinc, um, maybe some selenium, uh, definitely usually iron, or maybe they're iron-free. Uh, but even so, a lot of these prenatal vitamins uh, have to cut corners somewhere. Uh, financially, because if they really contained all the nutrients in the right forms and the best forms, it would be much more expensive. So they usually, I've noticed that most cut corners, especially with the minerals, either by leaving them out or by including really undesirable forms of minerals. Um, so there's that. Um, and that's a, you know, a point I should make in general for all the other nutrients that you're getting from a prenatal vitamin. So, you know, <laughs> there are so many nutrients that we need and definitely they're not even covered fully in a prenatal vitamin. Um, but the ones that are covered, you know, things like 
vitamin A, you're really only going to find two forms, which is beta carotene, which is a plant form. And it requires a lot of energy and um, metabolic uh, function to convert to retinol. And it's also less potent. So you get less bang for your buck. Um, then there's uh, the other option that they usually put in is, um, uh, what's it called? Oh gosh, retinol palmitate which is a synthetic form of vitamin A. So that's something to keep in mind because this has been, this form has been shown to cause birth defects in high amounts. So right. say you're taking, you know, a prenatal vitamin with a hefty dose. Usually they're pretty cautious around the dose of retinal palmitate, but if you're getting vitamin A, synthetic vitamin A uh, from other foods like, you know, fortified milks and dairy products and you're also taking cod liver oil and you're also taking liver <laughs> um, then you might have a, a problem so um, I generally don't like synthetic vitamin a but uh, you know here and there for for certain situations it can be a good way to get more um, there's of course I, I can't not talk about this uh, folic acid versus <laughs> methylated yes. Or, or methylated B vitamins versus non-methylated B vitamins. So that's another way that, you know, you can cut corners in terms of cost if you're a supplement company. And so uh, folic acid is less efficiently converted to folate. And um, be, well, primarily because 50% of the population has a genetic polymorphism that doesn't allow them to convert folic acid into uh, methylated folate properly. Uh, and this folic acid can kind of build up in our systems and cause other issues. Um, so suffice to say, like the methylated folate uh, is a much more expensive, like astronomically more expensive than folic acid. And um, I don't know how expensive it is for, you know, methylated B12, but I would assume that it's also the same situation where it's much more expensive. Uh, so really, you know, methylated um, B vitamins are really important uh, to sort of look for in a prenatal. Um, but, you know, again, just keep in mind that um, you're not getting all of the nutrients that you need from a prenatal. It is a supplement. And that's exactly what it's meant to be, a supplement to an already great foundation mm. of a whole food nutrient-dense diet. Maybe, you know, maybe not necessarily whole food, but <laughs> um, I would prefer to see whole food nutrient-dense diet, um, a really great hydration uh, sort of strategy. And, um, you know, we could, I could talk literally probably for hours about prenatal vitamins, but... <laughs> Um, that's just a little tidbit for you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And it, it does, it brings up across the point that, you know, I think a lot of times we kind of forget that, like, I think that a lot of times it can be easy to, to think, oh, well, you know, it's not a big deal because I've got my prenatal vitamin. So, you know, everything's covered and I can, you know, I don't have to, to worry so much, which I mean, that's, that's great if it does help you feel calm and relaxed, but it is really important to realize that we really need to be focusing on making sure that we are taking care of getting our nutrients in through these whole food means and not relying on that as a crutch. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's the sort of behavior that we've been conditioned to adopt a lot of us. Um, so, you know, just understanding that they're, they're there, they're a resource, and they can be a complement to 
your what you're doing with nutrition and your lifestyle, but they're not supposed to be a replacement for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so as long as we can remember that and to, you know, have the pancakes in the morning, but also have the eggs too. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. And I did want to point, uh, point out something that you had talked about with vitamin A, because I think it's so important. I've gotten a lot of questions about this in the past because, um, you know, we talk about, I, I like to talk about the importance of vitamin A, especially in my, uh, childbirth education program and people get worried because they've heard, you know, well, you, you know, we can get vitamin A toxicity and have all of these problems. I think you, you kind of mentioned it, but the studies that were done focusing on vitamin A toxicity were using synthetic vitamin A. Um, so is that, I mean, that's, that's what you have understood as well, correct? Yes. Uh, partially. So the the issue is that mo yes there have been studies there's one study that is like the most prominent one that has sort of allowed this to spiral out of control and it didn't differentiate between food forms of retinol and synthetic forms of retinol mm -hmm. uh, so there was a lack of scientific uh, integrity there at the the outright so the results were not accurate either because they didn't differentiate. And so that's a really important too, because um, subsequent studies have tied synthetic retinol, synthetic uh, vitamin A to uh, birth defects. Whereas it's, I don't think I've ever seen a study that ties um, natural forms of vitamin A to birth defects. And um, there's been a lot of subsequent studies that have come out after that specific one that I was talking about. I forget who, oh, I forget the, um, researcher's name, but uh, that have sort of shown that vitamin A doses at even higher amounts have shown no effect on birth defects, uh, no no sort of um, bad outcomes in terms right. of birth defects. And others have uh, even shown an improvement, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, against birth defects. So um, I think that for some reason, you know, it's kind of like bad press when something, even though it's not true, when something gets out, it's like, um, it's like, it spreads like wildfire. And then unfortunately it's, it's stuck around for like 20 years, right. but, <laughs> um, you know, as, as long as you're getting natural forms of retinol, uh, vitamin A, which is the preformed version, um, which is, you know, you can get some vitamin A from beta carotene and converting that, but just keep in mind, you know, if you're one of the 50% that has that issue, it's, it's really going, especially because the more you consume of beta carotene, the less you can, the less efficient you convert, um, mm. it's going to be really hard to meet all your vitamin A requirements just from beta carotene. Um, and, um, as long as you're getting vitamin A from preformed, you know, real whole foods, there's pretty much not much to worry about, especially because again, uh, food provides uh, vitamins and nutrients and minerals in sort of the way that mother nature intended with all of their other partners that allow them to operate optimally. So, you know, it's not like you're taking an isolated supplement, uh, which again, can be helpful sometimes depending on what it is and what your nutrient status is. but um, it really just provides this nicely bow-tied package uh, for you in, in food. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yes, and it comes in 
it comes in packs of all the things that you need with it to help your body actually synthesize it. Exactly. Uh, okay. And now I'd love to ask a little bit about how these minerals and micronutrients in general are impacting our pregnancy and our growing baby. We've kind of already talked about it a little bit, but if you've got any additional insight to add on to how that actually does help as baby is forming and as we are growing at, like you said, we grow an entire organ and a child with an entire organ system. So it's a lot of work. How, how do minerals and these micronutrients set us up for success? Great question. So yeah, um, minerals are critical. Micronutrients in general are critical for all the enzymatic processes. And there's so much going on already in a, in a non-pregnant body. And then when we get pregnant, there's just like an explosion of function. Your, your body literally like up levels, so many levels to operate. It's, it's amazing. Um, and I say that you know, completely genuinely. Um, so these micronutrients are critical to help support all of the metabolic processes that are happening. Um, and our hormonal balance, you know, really uh, the growth of the placenta, the transfer of nutrients, the implantation of the embryo, like there's so much going on, on top of, you know, just making your heartbeat run, uh, you're making your heart run and beat, um, and keeping your blood pressure going at a normal, um, uh, in a normal range, um, keeping your stomach digesting food, um, your brain, your ability to function and think, um, you know, your ability to regulate your temperature, uh, your hair, skin, and nails. So these, these micronutrients support the foundation and the underlying uh, metabolic processes that are keeping you alive and allowing you to function normally. So, and it, you know, when, when there is a deficiency, again, there could be symptoms. So I just like to kind of connect that again, because <laughs> these nutrients uh, are likely, there's an imbalance or deficiency when there are symptoms arising. Um, so where micronutrients are involved, again, we imprint our nutritional status on our babies and it, it can impact how their health unfolds, um, not only in the womb, but also, you know, post-delivery uh, once they're babies and, you know, infants and um, start growing. Uh, it, it really impacts uh, genetic processes. Um, and so we really need to hopefully be repleting and building up those nutrient stores preconception and even during pregnancy. Um, although sometimes, you know, <laughs> during pregnancy, I feel like a lot of the times things are like running up an escalator. Um, <laughs> so uh, that said, it shouldn't discourage you. Um, it should just, you know, keep it real and <laughs> uh, just eat the food and eat the nutrient rich food. Um, but uh, again, you know, most women are nutrient deficient in their childbearing years. So going into pregnancy with deficiencies or imbalances in minerals and vitamins and other nutrients can potentially set us up for more complications. Um, so all the things, you know, mentioned previously, it can impact our fertility, egg health, our ability to get pregnant and maintain pregnancy, um, hormonal balance, insulin sensitivity, thyroid function, um, these metabolic issues and processes can affect how smoothly our pregnancy goes. So minerals and nutrients support the huge increase in blood volume during pregnancy. Uh, it can't happen with minerals, like without minerals, like sodium, potassium, magnesium, calcium, iron, copper, uh, folate, B12. <laughs> uh, 
nutrients, micronutrients are also important for reducing the risk of pregnancy complications um, or you know, dysregulation and deficiency can also lead to complications like preeclampsia, gestational diabetes, anemia, preterm birth, et cetera. Um, and again, you know, it's it's really all connected. Um, I think partially too, there's the postpartum aspect, which I can get into, but um, you know, I can give a few examples too. So during pregnancy, you know, minerals like salt and iodine support the growth of baby's brain and neurological function. Iodine supports the thyroid and thyroid function. Um, magnesium and copper are the two highest minerals present in amniotic fluid, which the baby is constantly swallowing. Um, calcium, boron, and many other minerals are helping form the baby's bones. Uh, vitamin A, remember, is really important for creating symmetry in the baby and building the baby's immune system. Uh, boron, is a really trace mineral, but it, it can influence eye-hand coordination and attention span. Uh, zinc and selenium have been shown to prevent neural tube defects, um, really important for fertility as well. Um, copper is really important for supporting the um, enzyme zycopen, which is an enzyme that supports the transfer of iron to mom, uh, from mom to baby. Mm. Uh, vitamin E supports the oxygenation of the uterus and supports Potentially, it's thought to support the nutrient transfer across, across the placenta. Um, B12 is really important for the developing baby's brain. Um, there's just so many. Choline is important for preventing neural tube defects as well um, and also affects memory. Um, uh, let's see. There, there's just so many. All and essentially, really, all micronutrients are extremely important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, not only uh, we tend we tend to hyper focus on things like folate, um, and for that for some reason that one is just like the one that people focus on. But when you look at all of the potential impacts that, um, or, or really just the beauty and sort of symphony that all of these nutrients can really um, provide in terms of growing a new child, but also so important for your own bodily function. Uh, it's just really mind blowing. Um, so to try to whittle it down to like a couple of nutrients is really difficult, mm -hmm. uh, but it's just um, micronutrients, you know, are really, really important. Um, and yes, Protein, carbs, and fat for sure. They're like the delivery systems for these micronutrients as well. Um, but really making sure we're getting a, an adequate micronutrients are going to be really important. All right. That makes so much sense. And before we jump into postpartum and breastfeeding, because I really want to hear about that, I would love for us to just take a second to talk about the iron copper <laughs> vitamin A relationship um, when it comes to what we're experiencing when, when we have our hemoglobin taken and how that decreases at the, like around the third trimester. Can you go into that just a little bit? Yes. Of I course. know that's a subject that could be like hours and hours long. So I'm asking a lot of you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so it's, you know, I think that's also, your question is great. And I, I think it's also one of the funny aspects that I find about prenatals is like, they, they have some iron-free prenatals because they acknowledge that iron can and, and calcium compete for absorption, but they forget that, you know, 
iron and zinc compete for absorption. Iron and magnesium compete for absorption. So it's really funny. Um, and so when we, you know, when we try to whittle it down to like one nutrient and like, oh yes, we need this nutrient. We, and we forget how many other partners it has. We can end up with things like, you know, anemia or something like that. Um, so to really explain the iron and copper um, relationship, iron and copper are sort of, they're like, I don't know how to, <laughs> um, they're, they're partners. Um, and usually, you know, when you consider partners, there can be um, partners that promote each other or partners that sort of counter out, counterbalance each other. Mm -hmm. um, so these minerals counterbalance each other. And so copper is really important for regulating iron. It really helps um, regulate the processes involved in keeping iron levels up. Um, without copper, uh, what happens is, and I think it's important to explain how iron functions in the body. So I think it'll help sort of paint the picture. Um, Iron is very important. It's really involved in energy production. Um, it's, it's really important for um, new red blood cell production. Um, but what allow, it's, it's also a very volatile uh, mineral and metal. Uh, what keeps iron from rusting in the body is copper. And I say that metaphorically, but also like <laughs> literally. Oh, <really>? <laughs> um, <laughs> literally. Um, so it's a very volatile, volatile and the, the body knows this. And so uh, the body needs adequate amounts of copper to manage iron. And so when we don't have enough copper, the body senses this and will start taking iron out from the um, bloodstream. And this is because iron tends to feed pathogens. Uh, so, you know, think about bacteria, viruses, uh, fungus or uh, fungi, um, uh, what else? Uh, parasites. They all love to eat up iron. Like that is their jam. They love it. Uh, so the body will take iron away, you know, from these potential pathogens um, and put it, sequester it, uh, hide it, uh, store it in the tissues away from these potential pathogens. So it can seem like we don't have enough iron in the body. And usually that's because, you know, we're taking blood tests for our iron levels uh, where, you know, we actually have a lot in our tissues. Um, and so when, you know, this is actually pretty well known when someone's just recovered from an illness, they'll usually have anemia because their body has done a lot to uh, protect them from feeding the potential issue or the illness. And so a lot of the time, a lot of people coming out of um, a, an illness, a serious illness will have low iron, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. um, so back to the copper and iron relationship, uh, copper is really essential for uh, maintaining proper iron levels in the body, allowing iron to be transported without causing too much um, uh, oxidative stress in the body. So copper is super important. It's antibacterial, it's antifungal, it's really, really important for uh, our immune system. It's really important for energy production. It's involved in so many aspects of energy production. Um, there are lots of, uh, it's also a major antioxidant, I should say, and there are lots of functions, um, especially expressed in enzymes uh, throughout the body that copper allows us to perform. And specifically with fertility and pregnancy, uh, 
there's ceruloplasmin, which allows us to maintain a pregnancy. So there's some research that shows that ceruloplasmin can help manage serotonin levels in the body. And um, uh, when serotonin, if serotonin levels get too high, that can lead to spontaneous abortion. So ceruloplasmin helps us keep that level under control. Um, there's zyclopen, zyclopen, which I mentioned, that supports the transfer from iron to, between mom and baby. You can bet that there's copper involved in that um, <laughs> because that could not happen without copper. Uh, and I should say, wherever there's iron, there's usually supposed to be copper. Um, and uh, there's another interesting uh, enzyme too, it's called hephaestin, and this actually helps us absorb iron in our digestive system um, to utilize. So. Uh, these are all copper proteins. And so where there is iron, there should be copper. Uh, now, the relationship between iron, copper, and vitamin A is that vitamin A, so preformed vitamin A retinol, helps copper get loaded into the protein ceruloplasmin that it mm. expresses and performs all these amazing functions. Um, so really, retinol is a huge part of the iron sort of uh, I guess, discussion, because <laughs> without retinol, copper can't function properly. And so it goes back to when I was saying, there's a lot of partners, minerals and vitamins that one nutrient can have specifically. Um, and funnily enough, in the 1930s, uh, anemia was, uh, well, actually, three researchers, three scientists, won the Nobel Peace Prize, and I can't forget what category it was for, but they won it because they were able to cure anemia, uh, including pernicious anemia um, with liver. And liver is a great source of, guess what? Iron, <laughs> copper, and vitamin A. So really, you know, again, it's a beauty of mother nature. Food provides you with all the nutrients you need in one beautiful package mm -hmm. uh, right there. So I, I hope that helps um, kind of explain the relationship and how it relates to pregnancy anemia. So, you know, we are, a lot of the prenatals that are out there have really high doses of iron. Uh, I've seen up to 60 milligrams and that's huge. And so keep in mind that when you have that much iron, you also need an, an increase in copper and an increase in retinol to support that. Otherwise, it can actually make anemia worse. Mm. Um, so keep that in mind as well. There is a natural sort of drop in iron levels in mom in the third trimester. And I again, I emphasize natural drop uh, because there's a lot going on. Uh, estrogen levels are at their highest, uh, I believe. So, uh, and, and estrogen tends to lower hemoglobin levels. It just, you know, compared to men, um, women tend to have lower hemoglobin levels and uh, in pregnancy, you know, we, we are going to have higher estrogen levels and that's just going to naturally correlate with the uh, lower hemoglobin levels. Uh, we're also downloading a ton of nutrients to baby in the third trimester as well. I think baby grows like a half a pound a week. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of this is, you know, a lot of it's fat, a lot of it's nutrients though. And the iron transfer happens in the third trimester. So we're going to prioritize baby. Of course, the body's going to prioritize baby. So if mom doesn't have enough copper to support her own uh, red blood cell production, um, that could also lead to uh, drastic drops in hemoglobin um, or less than desirable. 
hemoglobin levels. Um, I will say though that there is research and there's uh, a paper by Dr. Lee and he measured uh, the average hemoglobin levels of uh, all his, um, I think he's an OBGYN and he measured the hemoglobin levels of all of his pregnant mothers um, uh, upon delivery. And I think, you know, it, it I say this because it's a lot of women have to deal with uh, ultimatums mm-hmm. uh, from their healthcare providers. <laughs> like you, you have to maintain 12 or above, or you can't deliver here, um, or you can't have the birth experience you want, or, you know, X, Y, Z. Um, and so this is, I'm just saying this as like, uh, hopefully to make you think a little, or to make the audience think a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see more research done on this for sure. But um, he measured uh, the hemoglobin levels of all the women in his practice. And um, the women that delivered the healthiest babies had hemoglobin levels between 8.5 and 9.5, which considering today's sort of um, standards around that, that's low. Right. Uh, So (laughs) yeah, it's kind of shocking. Um, and there's also other research that um, correlates to um, the level of copper in the liver with the ability with hemorrhaging. So mm. the lower the level of copper in the liver, the more likely the hemorrhaging was going to occur. I think this was in rats, but I cannot remember. So <laughs> either way, though, that makes a lot of sense um, yes. just from a physiological standpoint. Um and again, I would love to see more research, but I think that, you know, I'm sure that hemorrhaging has a lot to do with uh, copper and vitamin A, because that's really the concern around hemoglobin levels in the third trimester is like, we want to keep them up so that the mother doesn't hemorrhage upon delivery. Um, so that's just some food for thought. And I, again, I would love to see more about that, but um, it's, it's, you know, I don't think it's quite as simple as like, okay, you have low hemoglobin, take more iron or get an iron infusion. It's really, uh, much more sophisticated than that, I think. So, right. And I had read, I'd read that there was a study. I'm sure you probably know more about it than I do, but there was one that was talking about moms supplementing with vitamin A for uh, increasing their hemoglobin versus supplementing with iron. And how, when you supplement with vitamin A, it may take longer for that to increase, but it actually stays increased. Whereas when you take an iron supplement to increase your hemoglobin, it can fall soon after. Have you, have you read that? I have not read that study, but that is very in line with my understanding uh, of, you know, iron and the iron infusion or the iron supplement will increase it for a short period of time because what it does is it forces the copper to come out of wherever it's being stored. Um, Granted, you know, copper needs to be replaced every day uh, because we tend to pee it out. But um, vitamin A is a fat-soluble vitamin, so um, you know it 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 may force the vitamin A to be released from the liver where it's being stored and the copper to be released where it's being stored. But if we're not getting enough of those two nutrients, which if we had anemia in the first place, we probably aren't. Um, <laughs> it's not a surprise that uh, uh, iron levels will drop again um, after a certain period of time. Right. Yeah. And so that just brings me back to our discussion on the prenatal. Maybe we should be considering some beef liver as our prenatal. (laughs) It's got all of it. 
<laughs> yeah, it can def beef liver can definitely be a great addition to a sort of um, whole food approach to a prenatal mm -hmm. or uh, just in general for a preconception diet. Like, please, just just a little bit goes such a long way. Um, but yeah, beef liver is just a powerhouse. It's the most nutrient dense food on the planet. So it's no wonder that <laughs> it works so well. Oh, that is so cool. Okay. As we head, I, I could talk to you forever, Lauren. I feel like this is, I'm just like learning so much. <laughs> this is so cool, <laughs> but I'd love to uh, talk a little bit about postpartum and you know, I just see so, it's so common. Uh, it's kind of that idea of like common versus normal. It's common, is it normal? But we are all struggling, it seems like, with postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, postpartum rage, postpartum everything is just so hard. Do you think that that could be related to depletion of all of our minerals, all of our nutrients, just overall depletion? Yeah, that's, I definitely have seen this uh, a lot too. Um, I, I do think there's definitely a nutritional component to it for sure. Uh, there are also other components too, though, uh, hormonal components, which again, require nutrients. <laughs> um, but you know, there's also like the, depending on how the delivery went and, um, there could be a trauma aspect to it. Um, there could be so many, so many inputs, but I do think that nutrition can really support this and, you know, support mitigating the risk of these things happening and also really support the healing of these things if we are going through them actively. Um, but, and I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the metabolic uh, processes that all of these nutrients support are just so crucial. And um, really, we can experience so many things, so many symptoms. Uh, and it's been correlated in, you know, the research um, with nutrient deficiencies. So things like cavities or excess bone loss, breast milk supply difficulties, uh, postpartum depression, uh, even excessive postpartum hair loss. I've seen in a lot of women too that, you know, of course, hair loss is <laughs> unavoidable postpartum, but uh, to the degree, I, I think it could be influenced uh, by nutrition as well, just from what I've seen. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, again, we're heading into pregnancy already in nutritional debt. Um, and then what's really interesting is that um, mothers lose about 10% of their minerals with, with each pregnancy. And with each subsequent pregnancy, there's the potential to transfer less. And this is based on the work of Dr. Robert Thompson. Uh, and so, you know, just from a mineral perspective, we lose a lot of minerals with one pregnancy. And um, to, to kind of base, you know, understanding how many metabolic processes all these minerals support, um, blood sugar balance, thyroid function, adrenal function, um, et cetera. It's, you know, really no wonder uh, you know, we're experiencing so many symptoms postpartum. Um, I think a lot of it is too, um, let's see, we're, we're going, we really um, need to support uh, our hormonal balance as well. I think there, there definitely is a drop in um, progesterone levels postpartum. 
And I think that that also, you know, can cause and trigger postpartum depression. Um, granted, hormones are run by enzymes, which are run by minerals. So to really support optimal hormonal balance, not only for, you know, creating breast milk, but also just recovering and making that sharp drop, easing the, the sharpness of that nutrition can really support that. Um, we won't probably produce progesterone for a little while. Uh, it'll vary depending on when we get our cycles back, but um, just trying to support the other processes in our bodies uh, as optimal as we can to buffer sort of the drastic drop is really important. Um, I think what we could do, and again, you know, pregnancy is kind of like running up um, <laughs> running up an escalator and breastfeeding is even more so because breastfeeding is even more nutrient demanding than pregnancy. Uh, so, you know, I think our nutrient demands if we're breastfeeding are much higher um, than pregnancy too, which is kind of surprising to a lot of people, but it's true. And so uh, we really need to, if we plan on breastfeeding, that extra nutrition. So really, really focusing and getting a lot of nutrient dense foods, eating all the foods, not, um, and I say this with lots of love and empathy, just not worrying about losing the baby weight so quickly uh, can really take the stress off the system. Because if we continue to sort of not meet our demands with supply, and that's really where imbalances start and symptoms arise and issues begin. Um, and we continue to sort of withdraw from our nutrition account, withdraw from our health account and not put any money back in, not put any nutrition back in. This is an analogy that my one of my mentors uses, um, which I love, um, where the bank is gonna come to collect at some point. And um, maybe that happens sooner than later. So maybe we feel that you know the, the bank comes to collect right after delivery. Maybe we're like slapped with a Hashimoto's uh, you know, diagnosis. Um, and it starts right then, or maybe we uh, start to feel the collection, you know, three months down the line, um, or maybe two years down the line. And that's when we're slapped with, you know, <laughs> the fines or uh, whatever happens when a bank comes to collect. Um, or after the next baby. That's after, definitely yeah. what happened with me. Or after the next baby, um, you know, and again, I say this with a lot of um, empathy too, because I know that, you know, it's not always in our control, but it's all about stacking things in our in our favor as much as we can. So um, just understanding the sort of demands of pregnancy, the demands of breastfeeding and postpartum, you know, we are going to be running up an escalator anyway, but making it so that we can slow down how fast we have to run and um, slowing down, like another analogy is like pouring from a leaky bucket. If we can just like close the hole a little bit more so we can retain more and make us more resilient and really resilience is what it comes down to uh, because there's always going to be stress, which of course is mineral depleting, uh, nutrient depleting. There's always going to be stressors in our lives, emotional, physical, chemical, you know, we're always, we're, we're not going to be able to maintain perfection at any point and that's okay. Um, but what it's about is like really just building resilience. And so understanding, getting in tune with our bodies, what we really need, uh, really making a, an effort to get those nutrient rich foods to support us and our babies. And um, really that's all we can ask for. Mm -hmm. I love it. And once again, it's kind of like us going back to that idea of control and surrender. We cannot control every single aspect 
but we can try to move the dial, you know, move it into our favor. And certainly by fueling our bodies the way that they need to be fueled as best that we can surely helps. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Gosh, Lauren, this has been so fascinating. (laughs) I feel like I have learned so much. It has been such a blast to have you on the podcast. Would you mind sharing um, with the listeners where they can learn more about your work and some of the things that you offer? Oh, thanks so much. It's been so fun chatting with you. Um, yes, I I am most active on Instagram. So you can find me at innate functional nutrition on Instagram. Um, and I work primarily again with preconception clients. Um, and I also have a course that I came out with this summer. It's called Conscious Conception. And it was in partnership with my business partner, a dear friend, Dr. Britt Harmon. She's a pelvic floor uh, physical therapist. And so we put our you know, minds together and built this resource to really help women uh, put their best foot forward uh, going into conception. Um, and it's been just so fun so far to get to know all of my students and uh, to see all the babies and <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So yeah, that's, that's where you can reach me. That's amazing. I will definitely be linking to all of this in the show notes. And I, like I said, I can't thank you enough. It has been such an honor to talk to you, Lauren. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Well, likewise, Caitlin, thanks so much and talk to you soon, hopefully. I learned so much through Lauren's interview and I am looking forward to having her back on the show in the future. As we jump into this week's episode roundup, I have a few thoughts I'd like to recover. Number one, as Lauren mentioned, we aren't always expecting pregnancy, and if that's you, know that this information is still so relevant. Wherever we are in our pregnancy or postpartum journey, nourishing ourselves is the greatest step we can take for ourselves and our families. As I mentioned in the episode, I was certainly depleted before my first pregnancy and throughout my second. Only recently have I truly begun to grasp how to replenish myself wholly. This information is so empowering, recognizing just how much we can improve our health with relatively simple steps forward. Number two, how frustrating is it to recognize how little women are taught regarding hormonal birth control, especially related to coming off of it, and how it can impact fertility for months to come? I'm so glad women like Lauren are out there sharing this information, if nothing more than to give hope to those who are struggling with fertility shortly after coming off the pill, knowing that this is very normal and this time can be used well to replete your body before pregnancy. And finally, isn't the body amazing? The intricacies of how it processes micronutrients and how they all work together. I am especially fascinated at the vitamin A, iron, and copper connection, and I look forward personally to increasing my retinol and copper intake, especially in regards to any future pregnancies. Okay, my friends, be sure to go follow Lauren on Instagram at Innate Functional Nutrition, and if you're looking to prepare for your first or next baby, I highly recommend her course, Conscious Conception. As you can tell from this interview, Lauren is incredibly thoughtful and thorough, and she's doing such wonderful things in the preconception world. Okay, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. 
Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.